Morning, everybody. Thank you. And by the way, by everybody, I mean not only everybody that's here at our Banksville campus, but also everybody that's joining us at our West or Ridge campuses or connecting with us online. You picked a great day to be here. You are in for a treat because we are wrapping up our transition series where we've been exploring how to manage the change that is inevitable in our life. And to help us do that, I'm so excited. We have some of our longest serving, closest uh, global outreach partners with us today. Steve and Anna McDaniel from Living Water Adopt a Child. You know, I was thinking we, we've been partnered with these amazing folks and this amazing ministry for over 10 years. And uh, just like us over these last two and a half years, uh, they've been dealing with transition and change and they have discovered just as we have that where we often see obstacles, God has opportunities. We never wanna waste an opportunity that a transition brings. So they have a great story to share with you. And so without any further ado, would you join me in giving a huge, warm Cedar Creek Church family welcome to Steve McDaniel, the International Director of Living Water Adopted Child. Hoorah. Hoorah. Hey, good morning, everybody. It's awesome to be back with you, and I just want to just remind you of a couple of things this morning, even before I get started. Do you know how blessed you are? You are a, you are a blessed people, and Cedar Creek is, uh, is, is an amazing uh, team that God has put together, and it is inspiring to me. I, Philip had reminded me earlier this morning, and he was like, man, I think, how long have we been together? I was like... Yeah, it's been a while. It's been at least 10 years. I think it may have been a little bit more than 10 years, but 10 years of walking together in partnership, and I just want to give a shout out uh, to Pastor Philip and Terry and uh, Pastor Wes and Kelly and KT and all the team across the campuses, uh, and I, I could not uh, escape uh, uh, saying uh, hello to my good friend, Todd and Michelle, who uh, we're partners in ministry. I want to just uh, use my time this morning, and uh, it's Philip uh, has uh, been guiding you guys through a series of, of sermons and messages, and you've been doing them in your small groups about transitions. And so I'm going to talk to you a little bit about, uh, maybe a little bit about transitions, and tell you the living water story for some of you that haven't uh, met us, and we haven't had the privilege of meeting you to introduce to you uh, your partner down south, way down south. And we're, uh, we're just honored to be here with you this morning and talk to you a little bit about something uh, that is in short supply. And no, I'm not talking about used cars, even though I've noticed if you've tried to buy one lately and you wanna buy a certain model, they are in short supply because there is extremely high demand. And for us in Living Water, if I could uh, just leave with you a couple of key things about us, aspects about us, we do endeavor uh, to inspire hope. And if we look at our world, the world has changed. It's always been changing, but it seems like after uh, there was a, a pause button touched for a season, that that hand has been released from that pause button and in these last several months, Everything is just sped up. Everything is moving 
at a, at a rapid, almost frantic pace uh, in, the, in the world. And as I think about it, there are so many people in the world, and you may look to your right or to your left and say, no, we're good. But there are a lot of people, even if you were to get on a plane and you were to fly less than four hours, you could land in Guatemala and you would see and you would find a beautiful country that is in desperate need of hope. And at times it seems like it's in short supply. We can question the whys and the reasons, but it is a reality. As we look around our world today, and we don't have to go very far to find it, we see that there is a pervasive, at times, anxiety over our people. Even some of us, that if we were to be oh, revealing, that we would even admit that some of us struggle with, with things. With, we're seeing depression and anxiety at unprecedented or maybe unrevealed levels around us today. Pandemics, problems, they're not new to the world. But they seem like they have revealed to us a side of us that uh, maybe we had hidden very well and that is now coming out more and more. Those are painful realities. We can't escape them. They're truths. We can't deny them. But as people of God, we need to remind ourselves, as the scriptures tell us in both the, the uh, gospels and in the epistles, they, we're reminded frequently by the apostles Peter and Paul. They preface their, their commentary often with, let me remind you of something. And when I'm reminding you of something, it's because they even stated a few times. And Peter, he says, let me remind you of this even though you already know it. So if I'm reminding you of it, you already knew it. But we need those reminders, right? We need God to remind us at times of basic truths. I love the worship this morning. I've been a part of it two times. It was amazing. And to hear the songs, and I, it, it inspires me to hear the music. I want to remind us this morning that, yes, we have problems. Yes, there was, is a, still a pandemic. Yes, there are all of these difficult situations and depression and anxiety are there. But I want to remind you that we have an antidote for all of that. And his name is Jesus Christ. He is our living hope. I almost feel like the youth pastor that came up. At least I got about three people to agree with me on that one. But uh, no, I, I, I want to remind you of that basic truth because I feel like sometimes, even though we're in church, we can sometimes just become too comfortable with, with, with those truths and they can become just kind of like uh, words on the page. That God is personified in the form of Jesus Christ and he is our living hope. In Guatemala, in living water, we view our mission 
as ambassadors of hope. We've, uh, Anna and I, my wife Anna, you'll see her in a little bit. She'll come up here on the stage. Uh, but it, we have been working in Guatemala for 15 years, uh, full-time. Uh, I'm an East Texas boy. I joined the Marine Corps out of high school. Any Marines in the house? Hoorah, anybody? Oh, there's a couple of them out there. I, I had a couple of them surround me after the first service, and they said, hey, man, we, we want to leave you with just some encouragement. You speak pretty good for a jarhead. And I was like, wow, I'm, I'm going to take that as a compliment, all right? But uh, I, sir, I joined the Marine Corps right out of high school, and uh, believe it or not, uh, they sent me to Guatemala, and I ended up serving in Guatemala. Uh, during a time of civil war in the country. I met my wife. We've been married now for 41 years and have two children and two beautiful grandchildren and God is good. Uh, and we have been serving there full time. We served seven years as pastors at a, at a church in North Carolina. Went down to Guatemala to build a church and then uh, ended up moving our family down there in uh, 2006. And we... Uh, I'm a retired Marine, my wife is a nurse, and we found ourselves in a place where we have the opportunity to share hope with the people that desperately need it. Anybody else in the house feel like they need a message of hope today? I know I do. Amen? So, enough about us, and I'll tell you a little bit about who we are as a ministry, and there was a major earthquake that rocked Guatemala in, night, in 1976. And our ministry went down to respond in a humanitarian way. And we've stayed. And we, our emphasis is on the gospel, founding churches. We have eight. We're about to birth number nine. And we, uh, we have a uh, medical clinics that we offer free to any person that will come, any child that will come. And we do a child sponsorship program for the kids. I want to not just talk about the what or the who, but the why. And it's a fair question to ask, why Guatemala? Aren't there needs in our community? Aren't there needs across South Carolina and the United States and around the world? And I would say to you, I'm in agreement with you, there are, and I release you to minister to those needs. But I'm thankful that the Lord has called us to Guatemala because Guatemala is in desperate need. Like I mentioned to you before, you can be less than four hours and you can be on the ground in Guatemala and seeing a rea reality that for many of us that haven't left the country is new to us. To see a level of poverty intertwined with opulence that we're not familiar with. To see a people that are beautiful and blessed and then living close in close proximity, a group of people that are living on the margin and suffering through injustice and oppression and pervasive poverty. We have the opportunity and with your partnership, it is a reality to help meet some of those needs and to help bring the hope of Jesus Christ to the people in Guatemala. Guatemalans, some people would look and 
they might be only see certain aspects of it and not and it would escape them some of these painful realities that I would share with you today that Guatemala believe it or not it is a sin against God but Guatemala suffers from extreme malnutrition it is a reality that many children and people that live on the margin within Guatemala went to bed last night hungry. And they woke up this morning hungry. And there's nothing in the refrigerator because there is no refrigerator. There is a situation beyond our borders and beyond our reality that God has called us for sure Anna and I, and I'm thankful that Pastor Philip and Terry and the pastors here and the leadership team have embraced the call to go to the less, to the least, to those who need it the most, and to take the love of Jesus and the gospel. And we're providing them food. We're providing them health care. We're providing them opportunities. We receive everyone we discriminate against no one, but we offer all the opportunity to know the why and to be introduced to our living hope, Jesus Christ, who is the hope of the world. That's why we're in Guatemala. We have over 7,500 children that come to our programs and eat lunch, many of you, I'm looking out through the congregation, and although you've grown up a little bit in the last couple of years, I think I still recognize some of you that, uh, that you've been down with us several times, and uh, we're waiting for you to come back. And I want to let you know that that pause button is no longer pushed, and we're open for business again, and we're receiving teams, and we're so excited that Cedar Creek has several teams on the schedule. And I want to let you know, for all you sponsors, thank you for being patient with us because we haven't been able to open our programs. The government closed us down because of COVID. Uh, the government closed our churches. I, I probably should flip over there to that one. See if I can get me to move here. I'm gonna move right on to the COVID. We have been slowed down and deterred by COVID, but we have not been stopped and we have not been deter uh, detoured. We are open in all of our churches now. We are open in all of our feeding programs now. And yes, Pastor Philip, we are serving that good old fried chicken that you like uh, again. So we are back in business. It has changed us. There were certain transitions that took place that we were, uh, because we weren't allowed to be in the country or we weren't even allowed to move around within the country, that it challenged, we had to close our kitchens. What we did is we transitioned to giving away food baskets and food parcels to the families. We didn't stop. And we're still doing some of that, but we are back in full operation in our kitchens and we are, we are fully operational in all of our clinics. And we are sharing the gospel as we always have. We were, our churches were closed, but just like you did here, we pivoted. We didn't stop. We didn't panic. We pivoted. 
we went to online services, and when we realized our online services weren't doing as the job because many of our people didn't have internet, we started taking the church out to the people and doing the church out in the streets and in homes. I think we've heard that story somewhere in Acts or somewhere. I think it was like something like that. But I am excited to report to you as your partner that uh, the ministry is going very well in Guatemala in spite of COVID. And I am transitions. You guys have been going through the, uh, the series on transitions. Transitions can be tricky. Transitions can... Uh, trip us up, mess us up, and, and sometimes they can confuse us and put us in positions that we, instead of we don't want to embrace them, we resist them. Uh, we're, no, we're not immune to that. We've, we've, been, we've seen some transitions, and one of the transitions that we have uh, embraced is of moving into the public school sector. So even for some of you that have been here with us, been, been to Guatemala with us, and we are now not just doing our feeding programs uh, where the kids come to us, they leave school, school and come to us. Uh, we have identified schools that are strategic and strategically located uh, in our areas, and we have asked to go into those schools, and we have been received. We've been given tremendous favor. And I want to, for all the educators out there, I want you to know that uh, there's no separation of church and state in Guatemala. We are allowed to go into the schools. We're feeding the children in the schools. We are allowed, and they have encouraged us to pray for the kids in school and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ yeah. with the kids in school. And we've stepped firmly into that lane. This picture was taken about a week ago, and for you educators, and you think about your schools, and you think about how you're set up, the educational system, and I'm not uh, speaking ill of, uh, of Guatemala. I love Guatemala. I'm just uh, explaining a reality. The resources are scarce. This, is, uh, this picture was taken in one of the public schools that we're ministering. That, those two young girls there, which caught, we caught one of them off guard, and she didn't want us to... Uh, she was embarrassed a little bit, but she's eating. That food is food that we served her. She's sitting in a chair, uh, her, her desk chair at school, where we're able to come right into the classrooms and serve the kids. We have transitioned because we've seen an opportunity. If we open our eyes, transitions always provide us with opportunities if we will look for them and we will embrace them. They're not always easy to spot, but they're there. I'm gonna uh, move through this and for years, our focus has been helping children. And we have, like I mentioned before, we have over 7,500 children in Guatemala. We have over 1,000 children in our program that we're serving in Albania, in, which is a 99% Muslim or atheist country. Less than 1% are evangelical Christians. And we go in and we serve them food. We love them. We play games with them. And we give them an opportunity to love God. But a few years ago when I was here, I was thinking about it. And I believe it may have been here that I announced for the first time that we were stepping in to the elderly area of ministry. And so M25 is based on Matthew chapter 25 verses 31 
and following that would say, Jesus said, I was hungry and you fed me. And it's an area where we're going in to find needy people and we're, we have definitely identified sectors of our population, the children, but also the elderly and the special needs people within our communities in Guatemala that were stepped fully into that lane. So now a person, uh, you can sponsor not only a child, you can sponsor uh, a senior adult. You can also sponsor a special uh, person. And we would be honored if you would partner with us in that. It's making a tremendous impact. I said in the first service, and I I hope uh, everybody understands my heart, but I I feel like now uh, as a pastor in a local church that I'm marrying more and burying more because these young people are growing up and some of the elderly, they're moving on. So uh, it is really, it's been a tremendous opportunity to step into that lane, to work with the elderly and to see the needs in, in that community. Talk really quick about another area of our ministry that I'm very excited about. Did you know a chicken can change a life? I see at least one, one head nod and saying, yeah, she's probably got chickens at home. But I, I'm going to tell you, I didn't realize that a chicken could change your life. And then I went and I noticed, I've, I've mentioned to you the poverty. I've mentioned to you the people, the needs. And what we have done, and we're going into communities through a project we call in the Blessing Fields, and we are blessing the people with laying chickens, laying hens, building them chicken coops. And so that way they just don't have to get a handout of eggs. They can raise their own eggs. And we're going into families, identifying families one by one throughout the countryside of of Guatemala and blessing people uh, with, with that project. We're also raising crops. I had a, an agronomist come up to me after the first service and uh, we're, we're working on him to see if he can come down and help us, but we're doing uh, sustainable agriculture in our areas and we're growing those, those beautiful tomatoes. You, you don't see it that well. Those tomatoes over there are, uh, that we, are crops that we've grown. We have uh, cows that we're using and we're doing everything as much as we can through sustainable agriculture to be able to raise things up and use them in our feeding program. And it gives me great pleasure to show you this picture and you might look at it and say, well, what are they doing? We've got a couple of kids there eating and uh, they got a, a piece of corn on the cob. We grew that corn. And it gives me great pride uh, to, to, to say that to you, that we, we've, we've planted it, we've cultivated it, we've harvested it, and now we're sowing it in uh, to the families and we're serving it in our feeding program and we're able to give it away to needy families within our community. We put people to work. Uh, it is a beautiful, beautiful project that I'm, I'm very proud of. The pandemic has slowed us down. There's no doubt about it. It, uh, it. it definitely put the pause button on us. But at the same time, I want to tell you that God's kingdom did not stop. All right? Your church didn't stop. We haven't stopped. We have started in new programs in, in Guatemala. And we've started a new program in Albania. And I went really quickly through that slide because I wanted to, for time purposes, I want to get to a place where I could tell you this little story. I was over in Albania. I'll be there again in September. 
and I was uh, out in a, a restaurant in downtown Tirana, Albania, a city, a, 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 a beautiful modern city and of over a million people. And all of a sudden, I was taken aback as I heard uh, the Muslim call to prayer. And I don't know if you've ever been to a foreign country that, uh, that is predominantly Muslim and you've heard that sound, but I knew what it was. I was in the Gulf War, and so I'd heard it previously. But without discriminating, I would just say to you this. We preach Jesus Christ to anybody that will listen to us. And as I heard that call to prayer and I watched and I, I looked to see what was going to be the reaction of the people. What would they do, the Albanian people, in this modern plaza? And as I watched most of them, they were totally oblivious. They were aware on a certain level, but it wasn't impacting them at all. And I heard, it was as though I heard inside of me, God telling me, here's an opportunity for living water. And we are expanding our program from the countryside of Albania into the metroplex of Tirana. And yes, we've opened. That was in 2019, before I even knew that the, what was going to happen in 2020. And we made the decision that we would start our new program. We've started it. And we have, yes, 100% Muslim children that are coming into our program that we can tutor them, we can teach them. And for those that will allow us, we will lovingly and kindly tell them the why that we're in Albania and to share with them the living hope of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Is anybody excited about that besides me? I, in Guatemala, we, are, we bought a piece of land and we are opening. We're about to open our 11th program. We will, have a, we will have a clinic there. We'll have feeding programs there. We will have a church there in that, on that piece of land. I want you to know that I, we would invite you to connect with us and help with us. And you can connect with us in different ways. You can connect with us by Facebook. You can connect with us through Instagram, uh, through WhatsApp, emails. But you can also connect with us by signing up with one of the teams that Cedar Creek has put together to come down and be part and to see it up close and personal. And we would, we would be honored to have that. And as I close... I just want to share with you a, a quick story. I, I, Todd and I, we went, we went fishing since I've been here. Thank you, Todd. And we, he took me out to see the beautiful Savannah River, and we walked the levee, and that, that was awesome. And while we were out there, I don't know what got on Todd, but he started preaching to me. I think he, needed, he thought I needed to get saved. But uh, he started preaching to me. And he did a pretty good job. I mean, almost as good as me, but not I mean, just seriously. But... Uh, he started telling me a story, and it was interesting as I listened to him, and he was telling me, he was preaching to me from uh, King, First Kings, and I had recently uh, preached a sermon uh, to a group of people in, in Guatemala. And I, I'll, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm winding down my, my time with you, but I would just say that he talked to me uh, about 
and you know the story. Elijah has this confrontation with the, these 400 false prophets and he, God uses him in a mighty way to destroy them. And then he's attacked. He, he received, he's, he's persecuted and, uh, by, by a wicked lady and he, he, he flees and he runs and he hides in a cave. And while he's in the cave, God calls out to him and he says, Hey, Elijah, what are you doing? What are you doing in there? And Elijah starts feeling, he starts expressing that, well, I'm the last guy. I'm the last one of your guys. Everybody else is gone. Everybody else has abandoned you. I'm the last one. Everybody else has capitulated. And God lovingly says, hey, step outside of the cave. Go to the edge of the cliff. I'm not going to go too close. I might fall off here. (laughs) I'm about to pass by. You know, some people need to know that God's about to pass by. He's here. And all of a sudden, you know the story. We see these great noisy episodes. We see a, the, the wind comes through and it has such force that it breaks rocks. We have a hurricane, an earthquake, a fire. And each time that one of those natural phenomena manifests itself, the scripture says, but God was not in it. And then, in my, one of the versions that I really like to read, it says, a gentle whisper was heard. You know, when we're close and we, that one song that Ben led us in and it says, God's closer than my skin, I started thinking about that and I was like, you know, God is not in his character to yell. He's, it's, not, it's not in his, his nature to just scream at people. He whispers to us. And the reason he whispers to us is because he's close to us. When, he, when a mother looks at her child and she wants to whisper a sweet nothing in his, in his or her ear and she doesn't yell, she whispers, she says, oh, you're the, you know, I know there's a lot of beautiful women in this room, little beautiful girls, but you're the prettiest one. When God, when we're close to him, he whispers to us and that should give you hope And when you think about the transitions in life, my last moment is we wind her down. Joshua takes over from Moses. Moses is out of the picture and Joshua is trying to find his footing. He's not sure what to do. And he, God speaks to him in Joshua chapter one and he says, hey, I'm going to be with you and there will not be one person, not one man that can stand against you for your entire life. And he says, the same way that I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. If we were with God before the transition and we'll stay with God during the transition on the integrity of God's word, he'll be with us after the transition. Thank you very much.
God bless you this morning. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So you've met the face and the voice of Living Water Adopt a Child. Now I want you to meet the heart and the engine behind all that God is doing. Those of you who have been on one of our teams, you know this little fire plug here, Anna, she can get it done. And we're so grateful for both of y'all. We're so thankful for over a decade, almost a dozen years of not just partnership in ministry, but friendship in life, in our family's life and the life of our church family. And so I just want to encourage you to consider taking a next step in this journey. I I don't know what that would look like for you. Maybe it's to consider sponsoring either a child or a senior adult or a widow or a special needs individual, or maybe, just maybe, it might be getting on a plane and making that three and a half hour flight and being literally the hands and feet of Jesus. We've got teams going. Uh, We've got a team going to serve with you guys the first week of November, and we've got spots. We need people. It's going to be a great opportunity. Uh, We also have another team going with another partner in Guatemala to drill some wells in the end of October. You can get all the information you need about those through the app, You can stop by the outreach area, stop by the uh, welcome center at your campus and uh, take a next step because God is calling us to run to the darkness, to run to the darkness with his message of hope. And these two folks here and their amazing team have been doing that uh, for decades now. We are blessed to be a part of it. So I'm going to pray for y'all. Uh, for those of you that are here at the Banks Mill campus, you can stop by and say hey to them on your way out. But all of you, whatever campus you're on, are invited to join us this evening over at our West Campus. It's co-located in the Aiken Family Y for just a coffee night, just a time for you to get to spend a little more time with them, hear a little more of their story and how you can be a part of it. That's at 5.30 tonight. So let's pray together. Wow, Jesus. Wow. We are so amazed um, by how you write our stories as a part of your bigger story, the ultimate story. And I'm so thankful that you have not only written the story of Cedar Creek, but you have written the story of Living Water, Adopt a Child. And thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you have interwoven those stories. And we can walk this journey together because we are better together. And we are encouraged and inspired today to share the reason for the hope we have. Jesus Christ, our living hope. And so I pray for Steve and Ann as they continue to travel, as their teams and churches and amazing pastors continue to serve on the ground in Guatemala and in Albania. Lord, continue to bless them. Continue to bless and encourage and strengthen Steve and Anna as they lead your kingdom and your church in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Thank you, guys.